Ah, the church is really beautiful right now. It's dark outside. It's Sunday evening. But because of Christmas, they put some extra spotlights on the tower. Normally, this church at night is completely dark. But they have put, and this is kind of the neighborhood committee, they put some lights in the trees in front of the, uh, in front of the building. They added some, some stars here on, on the facade of the church. And they put some huge spotlights here. And from what I've heard, this is going to be permanent in the near future. They're working on... Uh, putting uh, LED lights or, or spotlights on the church tower um, for the rest of the year, which will be really cool. Another cool thing that they put here, this is also something they do every year, is a looks like a, a bit like a nativity scene. It's a small shed, a wooden shed, and on the inside is this beautiful little miniature Christmas world. And it is very small. You can barely fit three people in here. But you see... All these nice little houses. Um, there was a carousel, children playing. And uh, so there, you've got this miniature city. Everything is moving. It's lit by hundreds of small lights, even lights in the Christmas trees. I see a hotel. There's a skating rink. And uh, that small city is... Uh, It's kind of the lower part of the shed. And then here up on a shelf is the nativity scene itself. And uh, Jesus there in the middle. The Magi have already arrived with their gifts. Um, Mary and Joseph are there, a shepherd, some sheep. Now, of course, it's a little bit too early for that. But this is also, this is open all day long uh, for the remainder of the Advent time. And then also after Christmas, I think they remove this... uh, uh, when it's the feast of the magi, so the, uh, the this is this is great for kids, especially smaller kids. They just it's always fun to see them mesmerized by all these little twinkling lights. And even myself, I'm like, oh, I love this. It's so cool. <laughs> oh, the rest here is not so cool because the place still, the road in front of the church is still covered in mud. There are these big holes in the in the street and part of the street has even been fenced off so every day almost there's a i have to be i have to be very resourceful and figure out new ways to get out of the uh rectory and and go to work or to the parish like this morning um you always need to take some extra time to figure out how to get out of the neighborhood because the where i'm walking right now you can't normally drive with your car. They are working on the side. I can't even tell if there are pools of water here. This is not fun. Because it's really dark here. They also disconnected all the street lights. So, anyway. Um, they've started to work on the sidewalks. So that's an advantage. And I can now reach my garage. At least when they're not working. Because otherwise it, there will be lots of machines here and people working. But hopefully... They'll at least finish the sidewalks before Christmas. And uh, and maybe they'll start doing the street itself. But I don't think so because it's a very long stretch. It goes all the way to the, the train tracks. So I, unless they use one of those newfangled machines, which are very cool. It's basically um, like an automated system of, of creating roads. They put in the, the bricks on one end and then the machine just... L- 
orders them down and kind of lays down a, like a tapestry of, uh, of street bricks. Uh, I've seen it being used in other parts of the city, so maybe, but I don't know. It probably is just for you know, specific roads with a specific width. So I'm not sure if this one... Ah, uh, oh jeez, even more mud. All right, let me just walk over this pile of sand here. That's better. Uh, now, actually, both sidewalks are blocked. So, and there's a big machine in the middle of the road. I'll just try to get out of here. <laughs> I just came back, actually, from another walk uh, to the uh, one of the bigger supermarkets. Whoa, here, there's even a big hole in the in the road here it's like a, a meter deep at least they're also digging up all the uh, the pipes and they're going to uh, redo everything underground as well it's probably the, one of the main reasons that they wanted to do, redo this road so I came back from this bigger supermarket that is about halfway um, a half hour walk from uh, where I live um, to get my groceries for the week and it's a very cool system i think i've already mentioned it once it's an app that i use it's called too good to go and basically supermarkets can when they join that app they can put up stuff for sale that has an expiration date today so normally they would throw it away at the end of the day so uh, around five o'clock or sometimes six o'clock you can drop by and then for really low price like a couple of bucks you get a bag full of leftover uh either meat or veggies or dairy sometimes some other stuff as well and uh by buying that you well you don't know what you get that's the downside of it but the upside is it 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 saves a lot of waste because this is usually perfectly good stuff but people won't buy it because of the expiration date now my experience is with this if I buy one or two at the start of the week so on Sunday or on Monday I'll have enough food for for the rest of the week it just requires a little bit of creativity because sometimes you get like today I got some chicken breast and uh, I need to prepare that uh, well this one actually still has some leftover time because when I arrived, it was like, oh, we made a mistake. We're out of goodie bags. And so they had to run into the store and they just grabbed some stuff. And a lot of it is still good for another couple of days. So that was, uh, that was a nice surprise for me. It's not very good for them probably. But anyway, they still have my money. But, um, but I have some other uh, meat that needs to be prepared. And so what I do is I think ahead. It's like, how can I use this? For instance, I had some beef and couldn't really come up with anything because I, normally I don't eat beef. Um, so I just put it in the soup. I, I created a nice stock. Is that how you call it? Uh, just put it in some water with some uh, some uh, uh, so a bit of that concentrated stock. Let it sit simmer for about three hours. And now the meat is really super tender and I'm adding some mushrooms and... Uh, and some herbs and everything and it, it's going to be great soup and I, that will give me soup for at least four or five days so i made a big pan of that so um and i do the same with the other material like for instance 
one day I, I had like two or three liters of milk, all with the expiration date of that particular day. And I was like, ah, what am I going to do? I, I like milk, but not that much. So I made custard for an entire week. I just made a big bowl of, or a big pan of, of custard pudding uh, and divided that over a number of containers and just put them in the fridge. And so I had delicious custard pudding, pudding for the rest of the week. Just, you know, these little creative things. And sometimes you get veggies that I have no idea how to cook those or what to do with them. Because most of the time in my own cooking, I'm more, you know, oriental-based or uh, Italian. But not really, you know, the hardcore Dutch veggies. I'm not very good at those. So, but then I just Google the ingredients and come up with a, with a recipe and so it also challenges me sometimes to learn new recipes and it's been a lot of fun not to mention of course that it, uh, it it's good for the environment and it's good for my wallet what more could you ask for so I came back from that thinking actually by the way little little secret that I had recorded a cool episode of the walk until I pressed uh, stop on the on the recorder and I noticed that I actually pressed on and so the whole thing had been off <laughs> not recorded I've been talking for about an hour didn't record any of that but as you know this, this happens also to the most seasoned program makers where <coughs> I'm in a tunnel by the way underneath the big highway where they interview people and then they discover that they didn't press record so it happens to the best and uh, at one time, uh, a cameraman told me, you know, the only thing that consoles me is the viewer did not know that this interview happened. So nobody but me misses this. <laughs> that's true. That's totally true. So that's why I'm, again, walking outside. And I'm, I'm you know, I was in for a walk anyway because I'm really in the last part of the bronchitis. It's almost gone. Um, I, I still cough a little bit uh, when I'm too busy or running upstairs or something like that. But I know that with... Give it two, three more days and then it will be totally gone. And that is actually a really, really good outcome because I've had years where this bronchitis would, uh, uh, would worsen because I would ignore the symptoms and wouldn't take it easy. And then it, uh, it would turn into a full-fledged infection of my lungs and I had to get antibiotics and nasty stuff like that. <coughs> so now I'm just taking it easy. This is also the beginning of my time off. Ooh, there's a lot of wind here. Uh, why am I walking here? This is usually the place where I run. There is nothing here. It's the you go into the woods here, but there is no, there's no there are no street lanterns. I just basically it's funny how sometimes you have these reflexes. I'm going for a walk, and then I just take the road that I normally do in the morning when the sun is shining. And now it's this creepy little tiny path that goes into these dark, dark woods. I will not go there. I'll just walk here next to the road <laughs> at least we have street lanterns so um, I, I take some time off before Christmas that's why last week I wasn't able to record an episode of The Walk 
uh, I had some deadlines to meet but all that actually went really well I'm super uh, relaxed right now and and that is uh, that's the fruit of me listening more to what my body tells me and being a little bit wiser I think than in the past so uh, hopefully come Christmas I'll be completely healthy again another thing now that I'm uh, finally recovering a little bit I'm making new steps to taking new steps to uh, build up my fitness again I'm still planning on running a marathon next year and so uh, earlier today after mass I've been putting together my treadmill which is uh, in the attic the rectory where I currently live I live there for a year now as a, a huge attic and in that on that attic there is this small room that they built I think it's just a storage room or something like that um, and it's got a very low ceiling and it, it's not very comfortable but it's the perfect size for a treadmill so we uh, brought the treadmill from the place where I used to live over to this rectory got it upstairs with a few strong man because it's super heavy but it had to be disassembled first otherwise it couldn't fit through the doors it couldn't bring it up the stairs and so I'm now putting it together something that I've been uh, putting off for months because it's such a ah, it's so complicated and you've got all these screws and I'm not very technical and uh, you know once the thing is up it looks great but it's just one of those brands where they don't didn't put much effort into the let's say the user experience basically here you go this is the look at the picture on the box that's how it should look like here you've got some some uh, very very tiny drawings and some instructions in chinese good luck have fun (laughs) so boy oh boy what an ordeal but i'm getting there i've got the the stand the standard like the panel where you put the programs you can determine the speed that's all installed now and the only thing i need to do is uh, add the kind of the plastic covers and then there's one other thing that i need to check upstairs this is a like a century old building so the electricity in the building is super old and as far as i can tell upstairs there is no um, modern uh, uh, power socket. And normally, these big machines need to have um, uh, what do you call it? Like a like a direct connection to Earth, or it's t- because otherwise you will build up static or static energy, and that was the problem in m- the previous rectory as well. Every time I would run on that treadmill, and then I, later on I would touch, for instance, my iPad. I'd be like, I don't know, some superhero, like, or the emperor in Star Wars. Good, good. We'd have these flashes of lightning. And it's all because you're running, so it's building up static energy, and it doesn't flow back to the earth or whatever. So I don't want to get... After a while, you you, you become afraid to touch anything. And in the winter, it's even worse because the air is very dry, and so you build up static energy even faster. It's like when you have a woolen pullover and you may have like carpet in your home 
and then you take that pull over over your head and then you hear the crackling in the air you know and then the first thing of metal that you touch is going to zap you and uh, so I, I do want to find a solution for that because otherwise I know that I'm not going to run on that thing but uh, and then there's another thing I've got an old TV uh, which I already have for I don't know 10 years or something like that it's one of those flat screen TVs but it's uh, it's kind of faded the the colors are not that good anymore um, but I can still mount it to the wall and what I want to do is to put it on the wall connect it to a Chromecast and then I, I'd be able to run or walk on that treadmill while watching some of my TV shows so that will I think you know do double duty I can get healthy and at the same time I can watch a bit of TV so uh, it definitely beats uh, watching TV with a bag of potato chips <laughs> or crisps if you're from the UK <coughs> so <clears throat> that's something I've done another thing um, that I've been working on is uh, what I've mentioned last week uh, or last time in the, in the walk and that's uh, kind of making new choices and being much more purposeful when it comes to <clears throat> the content that I make and this has been a really interesting journey um, I'm so excited that I finally have time to to um, deepen my knowledge about how to reach people. Now, of course, I've studied in Rome mass communication, so I know kind of the basics uh, of, of how to tell stories, how to film, how to do radio. But what they didn't teach us back then, because, well, the Internet was still relatively in its infancy. This is more than 10 years ago. It was 15 years ago. Um, is uh, what is now so important to reach people, and that is know how to um, how to uh, use tools and algorithms to connect to the audience that you want to reach. In that respect, the world has changed so much over the past 15 years, where now you can actually laser target an audience and go really uh, into the deepest niches out there, or niches, how do you... Not sure what the pronunciation is, but you can really uh, ch- choose the most obscure topics, and if you do it well, you can still reach a worldwide audience with that. Um, but there is also a very um, elaborate, uh, uh, how do you call it? There are there is there is knowledge that you need to acquire on how to use the, the right tools to make sure that you do reach your audience. And in that respect, especially on YouTube, I'm learning so much now that I have some time to, to invest in this. And I've already improved uh, some of the videos that I offer on my main YouTube channel on Father Roderick with immediate results. Like, unbelievable. You can see in stats how many people, for instance, will discover you through search terms but it also analyzes your tags and your title and your content and it will tell you well hey you this is great content because everybody's looking for it however your title or your thumbnail is just like your 50,000 other competitors I had a lot of trouble with uh, Star Wars at the beginning I did these Mandalorian episodes and I just couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong because I 
I thought, well, I do what all the others do as well. But hey, I'm this Star Wars priest and I have 25,000 followers. Well, what I've learned is that you may as well have 100 followers or 25,000 if they're dormant and if there's so much competition that you won't show up in their, in their, on their main page, then it's worth nothing. What matters is active followers, is people that are engaged, that react, that, that enter into a conversation. So through studying and analyzing what I did, I've discovered that actually the, the, the principle is super simple. You have to engage with people. You have to meet them and enter into a bilateral relationship. And the more you invest in the relationship with your, with your audience, and that also involves listening to what would they like you to do or what do they need, the better your channel will work and the more it will grow. Um, so to give you an example, I've noticed that when I did a, like an audit of my YouTube channel, and it, it, uh, it looks at likes, it also looks at you know, how many people will like this in the first hour, for instance, and there are all sorts of deductions that you can do on the basis of that. And what it showed me was a list of videos, and it said, your audience loves this. Do more of this, and you will thrive. And it also gives you a list of videos like, huh, nobody cared, so do less of this. And it was a bit, a bit of a confrontation, because what I noticed was, um, among the things that really bring in people and helped grow the channel and made people into, turned people into fans and, and, and uh, uh, that, uh, content that people wanted to engage with were the reaction videos, which I actually didn't do that much. I had my Star Wars trailer reaction video. But from that analysis, it showed this is your gateway content. If you do this, you will grow your channel tremendously. And what's more, people love that so much that they also watch other videos. So that's why this past week I recorded a reaction video to the newest Ghostbuster trailer. Um, and I was kind of late to the game, but... It was just a test. Let's see if I can do this uh, following these rules and see what it does. And even though that, tra that trailer reaction is like a week after the trailer hit, uh, hit the internet, it still is the fastest growing video on my channel right now. It's incredible because I've learned that this is what my audience likes to see. And the reasons are also obvious that this is something that the tools can tell you but what uh, people keep telling me in the reactions is your your enthusiasm makes me happy and it's such a good antidote to all the negativity and the whining and the criticizing that's going on on the internet and so it's just a, it's an example of that you can just enjoy these trailers instead of you know, finding whatever reason to complain and to be bitter. I'm thinking, well, that is a noble thing. That is a good thing to do. It's a, I, I, I cheer people up. I show them that it's possible to be cheerful. And, you know, I'm recording this on Sunday Gaudete, uh, which is the halfway point of Advent in our journey to Christmas. And so it's an exhortation to be joyful. Well, how cool is that if my videos do 
exhort people to be more joyful and to be more positive. So that, that is a, that's a good lesson learned. The, among the videos that really did not do at, well at all, I was a bit surprised. It's the vlogs. The vlogs that are recorded in Scotland, the stuff that I filmed during my vacation, the live streams that I did in Ireland. None of that works. Nobody's interested in that. Or at least a small group of people is interested in that. But it's not the group that grows the channel and engages with that content. And I also know why. Because it's very niche. You know, a video like, uh, hey, I'm at this castle and did you know that uh, uh, Saint so-and-so was sent here by King so-and-so? I mean... For me, in the context of the documentary that I was filming, that was awesome material. That was great and it was beautiful. But if you take that out of the context of, the, the, of, of an overall story, that video is completely nonsensical for people that just step, pass by. It's like, what? Well, he, well, so he's in front of a castle, so what? You know, so that was a, a, a very important lesson which led me to... Um, I think very important decisions when it comes to the way I distribute my content. That was a car. That's a weird sound that it makes. Well, I wonder if it's uh, the trailer that he was pulling. Maybe one of his tires isn't isn't good anymore. So um, I have no idea where I am, by the way. Just in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I think if I turn left here, there's a shortcut, but I hope there are lanterns. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be a very long episode of the walk. Um, so I've decided to split up the content and to make separate channels. Um, uh, so the, the main channel, Father Roderick, will, will, will stay where it is. But I'm going to branch off into two directions. First of all, I'm going to make a specific Lego channel. And this is also the result of the analysis of another channel. We had a, this main Tridio channel, right? Um, where I would post, for instance, some of the live streams. Uh, but that didn't really work at all. Um, I tried to do the smaller videos, like uh, outtakes of the, of the podcast. None of that worked. There was one type of video that absolutely hit the nail on its head and was watched and shared tens of thousands of times per video. And that was the Lego stuff. And more specifically, the educational videos. You know, what is Advent in one minute? Who was St. Martin? Um, these short little Lego animations, nothing too serious, but definitely um, filling a need of many people, educators, parents, schools, uh, parishes, to help children, and maybe not even children, also teenagers and, and, and parents, to help them understand or relearn what the, all these you know, Christian Catholic traditions mean and, and uh, give, give people a bit of information in a fun and entertaining way, in a language that, that is positive. Because Lego always comes with humor and uh, uh, a bit of playfulness. And th so that, I was like, I, I saw the analysis and I was like, well, why would I just 
keep that channel like a general Tridio channel. It's not that we're going to, you know, produce anything. We're not, even, we're not even able to produce anything to make that channel grow. So let's be, uh, let's be clear. Let's, let's make some very clear decisions. We want to grow these channels. It needs to fulfill a purpose. Right now, a, a general Tridio YouTube page has no purpose. This is exactly the same conclusion um, uh, was. I had to take. I had to. How do you do? You make a conclusion. Take a conclusion. <laughs> I had to conclude the same for the Dutch channel, uh, Catholic Today, Catholic Vandaag, which was uh, a duplicate of everything that we uh, that we produced for Facebook, and I was. When we started to that channel, I was surprised to see that 90% of the views and the engagement was on Facebook and almost nothing on YouTube. And the only reason that we uploaded it to YouTube was that so that we could post the video on Twitter. But there was also zero engagement on Twitter. And so instead of continuing to do this, the, the, the actual... And, and it's not that YouTube doesn't work in the Netherlands. If you look at what's trending... It's incredible how much good quality content is out there. But our approach was completely wrong. We were treating YouTube as a, just a storage container or a, like an archive for all the things that we already did elsewhere. And there was zero engagement with the, with the audience. And also nothing. We didn't optimize anything. We didn't ask ourselves, is this what people are looking for on YouTube? We're, this is a very tough market, the Catholic market in the Netherlands. It's a very small market. And so um, YouTube, Facebook is much more relational in its, in its uh, distribution. So people follow me uh, or, for instance, our Catholic page because it's got Catholic in the title, uh, because they're already on Facebook, and uh, because they want to engage with Catholic content. And on YouTube, uh, it, the the let's say the catholic community in the netherlands is not really that active on youtube a younger generation of catholics definitely is but is not really looking for catholic stuff on youtube so that requires a different approach and so uh, there too i was like we can do two things just continue to do to duplicate our efforts but it serves no one and it's just, you know, it's even bad reputation because when people would go to our YouTube page, it's like, woof, nobody's watching that stuff. Um, but it's asking yourself, what can I do here to help an audience? And it, that, so that requires a specific approach. Just as I've learned over the years that it is completely useless to uh, do uh, these, these live streams on YouTube of podcasts. Nobody's going to watch that. They will watch it live, definitely. But after the fact, zero engagement, zero views. Because it's, you know, it's, there's, it's not compelling. There's the, what makes the live streams fun is the interaction, the live interaction. As soon as you record it, that magic is gone. So unless you have fantastic content that really um, teaches people something, uh, like I, I watch a, a lot of tutorials now to learn more about algorithms and about how to reach audiences, etc. 
how to optimize your content. But that's, and those are live streams that are recorded and I watch them because I learn so much. But general content, like my weekly show where I just, you know, fill an hour, it's, it's basically just a conversation. It's just a, a, a chat. And it, if I could do it in real life, I would do it in real life. So this is the best thing next to that. I think this is the garden center here. Oh, yeah. So if I go to the left, I hope there's light there. There are some street lanterns here, so... Okay, I think I'm going to be fine, and then I'll end up at the railway station again. Good, good, good. So, um, the the, the live stream is just interesting for... um, the fans that happen to be online and they'll they'll say, hey, Father Roderick is live. And usually they just watch this or have it in the background, just like the Lego streams. The thing is that in itself, leaving that on YouTube is, uh, uh, is, is to the detriment of the other content because the algorithm can't really tell the difference between, you know, these kind of this casual stuff that you do live or bringing value to the table. So the more stuff you put out there that has no engagement after the fact and is not watched anymore will lower the overall value of the YouTube channel. So that's that's one of the reasons that I want to get the Lego onto its own page because I know that the 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 story the, the, the Lego stories that I tell, the, these little videos, they will continue to do really well. I have no doubt about it. And what makes that channel so cool is, is the interaction and having these conversations, They're usually very pastoral conversations, while I'm building a Lego set. But the value is in the conversation, is in the life aspect of it. But there, in if it's in its own Lego community, I think that you know, building Lego, the fact of building that and being able to watch that, it is, uh, it is, it's a very good thing for that particular audience, but it doesn't work for a general YouTube uh, channel like my main Father Roderick site. The, th- the other thing that I'm going to branch out is, of course, is that whole, you know, the vlogging. It doesn't work on the main page. Again, it, it, it lowers the overall reach of the channel. But it could work really well in conjunction with the documentaries that I'm going to put out there. Because it's kind of like behind the scenes and I can answer some questions about how I, how I can show how I film my stories. And I've got a lot to share, a lot of experience. And I know that has value and the vlogs make sense in conjunction with the documentaries. If you love a documentary, then you may also be interested in let's say the what happened behind the scenes and how did this come about so it makes much more sense to also put that in its separate channel and then just completely get rid of that whole like oh tridio is our platform so tridio needs to be its own entity on youtube no if it doesn't serve anyone then it has no place there. We can always say, always say, and I will continue to say that this is powered by Tridio. This is made possible because I have an organi- organization behind me. But the organization is is creating the is giving me the resources and the tools to establish that relationship. The relationship is not with the with the foundation. It, the relationship is with the people 
that represent that organization and that reach out. So relationships are always personal. Something you see also in the bigger uh, market, you know, the the like the PR of fir- of uh, the big the big uh, companies, they are more and more personalizing their interaction. So you will have these these you know these funny sweet Twitter streams where they will start making jokes and and so you get a feel that this is not just this anonymous big organization that I have no relationship with, but this is run by people, by funny people that can laugh with us and that are can, you know, be self-deprecating from time to time. And so that is a very valuable uh, lesson, I think, for any organization, also for the church. You know, a par- parish twi- Twitter streams or parish websites are so devoid of personality most of the time. It's just information. There's no, there are no faces. There's, you don't have the feeling that you are in contact with an or, with a community. And and the same with with Twitter streams. It's just, you know, dry information. No wonder that most of the uh, parish communication doesn't work and doesn't reach its audience. Or I've seen this on YouTube as well. Just uh, uh, two hours ago. There was a video that came up in my uh, on my main page of one of our dioceses, and I didn't even know they had a YouTube channel. So I see that they have 130 followers, which for a diocese of about a million Catholics, well, a little less, but that's nothing. That's really a waste of time. But then I, I go and take a look at their videos, and it, the first thing that strikes me, and this is just at glancing at their video thumbnails, it's all male. I'm not kidding you. Like 50 videos, 90% of the thumbnails show an old man, a bishop, a priest, but they're all men. I was like, don't you see this? And all white, all white men too. What kind of communication is this? So if I'm just browsing on YouTube and a video like this pops up in my time in my on my main page because I've made may have searched for a Catholic term or something like that. First point of contact is, whoa! I don't know if I want to be part of that community because I don't recognize myself. I don't. This is not what my, what my local parish looks like. So, as again, and then I have to also think about the, my own presence there and so what do we do with this Dutch Catholic channel it's basically it's the same we're, we're not we're not engaging with this audience and, and there are there are ways to do this so much better um, so that is that is in a nutshell what I'm what I've been working on for uh, the past two weeks I've already seen great results from applying some of those lessons that I've learned and working with the tools and some of these tools I I use vidIQ for instance, so vid IQ Um, they will they have like a free service, it's an extension you put in your Chrome browser but then to get the better analytics, you gotta pay a small fee, all that, you know, it's like 10 bucks here and 10 bucks there, let's say on total I'd spent like 40 bucks a month into, you know, these research tools. Um, this can grow my channel to 
well, I don't know. I'm aiming high for the main Father Roderick channel. I want to go to, I want to reach a million subscribers. And a, an active number of subscribers of at least a couple of thousand people. Um, and I know that I can make it. I know that I can do that. But it requires uh, a tremendous amount of focus. I do know how to make the quality. And I, I'm starting to learn the tricks of the trade. Um, but I'm aiming for that. And the same thing for Lego. I think I can grow that to a pretty sizable community. Especially if you look at the competition. It's funny, but... Uh, the Lego community on YouTube is in disarray because of the latest uh, regulations that YouTube has been forced to to enforce on us of COPPA, which is the Child Protection Act. Uh, it's a couple of years old, but YouTube has been caught uh, gathering information from uh, underage children, um, which was not allowed by this law in, in the United States, let alone, you know, data gather, gathering laws in Europe. And so they have, um, they, they now have these stringent rules where if you uh, aim, if your content could reach children, then you have to, uh, you yourself have to say that about the video. So, uh, and, and those are very broad strokes uh, that they're painting. So Lego is a children's toy. And even if you have a Lego channel that is, it's, you know, is only building these collector sets of you know, the Millennium Falcon with 50,000 pieces and no child could ever afford, it is still regarded as children's content. And you have to label it as such. And it will have consequences for your monetization. So you will still be able to make some money through advertising, but it's much less effective because uh, YouTube is not allowed by that law to use their usual metrics because they cannot gather um, information from children. The other thing that is not allowed is comments. So you have no comments. It means the engagement, the interaction is gone unless you go live. So, uh, I've seen that the bigger Lego sites are all starting to disappear because it's no longer worthwhile. These guys are, are usually are guys, by the way. I don't know any uh, ladies, uh, you know, big, big YouTube channels run by uh, female Lego fans, but some of them had built their livelihood on having this, you know, the revenue from, from their Lego channel. Now that this is curtailed so much by YouTube it's no longer worth the effort but that means that for someone who is not in it for the money, like me there is a new opportunity and I'm looking at what they make and I'm thinking hey, I can well, I won't do exactly the same because I, I can't afford all this to buy every new Lego set Lego is not going to send me any of their sets because well, I'm, I'm not a, a usual Lego reviewer so I'm not you know, marketing-wise, not interesting for them. But when it comes to these videos and to community building, I'm certain that I can do uh, really well in that arena. And so I don't think it's completely crazy to to uh, go for, I don't know, 10,000 subscribers to that uh, LEGO channel. And the documentary channel... I also, I know that what I make 
and what I can do. The quality is really good. The stories that I tell are engaging and uh, definitely for a for an international audience, which is so much larger than my Dutch TV audience. Um, I'm 100% certain that 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 I can grow that channel. Um, maybe not very quickly because documentary stuff is um, there is an audience for that on YouTube but it's not the most uh, immediate audience oops sorry it is uh, I'm here on the path for bicycles I'm walking around in my dark black suit I don't have any you know reflective material on my clothes and it's raining so these bikes are just warning me so the uh, uh, it, I, but I know that there is a market for or an audience I should say for long form content on YouTube as well um, it is just going to require me to deliver on a constant basis uh, quality content and I think if I, if I target that if I choose the right topics then I'm pretty confident that I can grow that too. But all that is only possible, like I mentioned last time in uh, the walk, if I, f- if I can focus on it, and if I take away whatever else is, uh, is using up my time, my energy, and my resources. So when it comes to podcasting, uh, I've had great, re- great feedback from uh, some of you, uh, Cliff sent me uh, uh, like half hour audio feedback with, with some very very good points, and so uh, what I what I think is going to be the best approach is if I um, if I take uh, the 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 one thing that people like to listen to is the walk, uh, and also the other weekly the main show, the Father Roderick show. That is something that people enjoy, not really because of the content, but because of it's it's just you know the overall feel, the overall vibe of the of the show. It's just a, a fun conversation about things that I'm passionate about, and I share uh, uh, the 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 passion for those topics with my current audience. The one the one show that is really kind of an afterthought is the after show for the patrons and I'll definitely get rid of that one and put something else in place and I know exactly what I'm going to bring back and this is going to be for patrons only the Catholic Insider these audio documentaries that I think match my mission my overall mission in storytelling very well it is a it's an art that I I think I master quite quite well and, and it's a joy to make it is very similar to uh, documentary making but it is so much easier because it just involves me well it's like the walk but then you know with more storytelling and more maybe more exciting environments than just you know the overall darkness in this village where I live <coughs> I can see the church tower in the distance above the the other houses there little lights everybody has already got the Christmas decorations up and the Dutch like to have their windows, their curtains open. Something always baffles me. When I get home, I always close the curtains. But the Dutch love to show off their uh, interior. So all these houses here on my left, on the other side of the water, have uh, beautifully lit living rooms with Christmas trees and candles. And love this time of year. 
So um, the the uh, the Catholic Insider is something that I know uh, my core audience, my core fans and supporters will uh, will want to support, and will and it, it is is something of real value to them. And so that's what I'm going to bring back instead of uh, the the after show. Now, uh, d- just to give you a brief summary of how the, what this is going to mean for the patrons in general, I know that not all of you are patrons yet, but I hope you will consider becoming one if you hear what I'm what I want to do for my patrons. Um, it's going to have three main tiers and then three supplemental tiers, and they're all kind of symmetrical. So there is the lowest tier, the cheapest one, it's two fifty per month. It's really, I want it to be a no-brainer. It's like half the price you would pay for a cup of coffee. And that lowest tier of 250 will give you access to two things. <clears throat> it will uh, give you access to the additional audio content. So Catholic Insider, that sort of stuff. And also, and this is something that I probably need to explain for a lot of you, I want to give uh, people access to a, a, a new environment where you can chat with me and also where I can, you know, share things with you. And it's called Discord. Discord is a, is a free piece of software. It's like, a, like a, a bit of chat software. It feels a bit like Slack, if you know that from work. Microsoft Slack. But it's more uh, multimedial. It's, 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 uh, it's a, more of a community tool. Um, so the way you get access to Slack as a patron is by installing Slack, and you can do that either in a browser, you can access it through a browser. The only thing you need to do is to create a Slack account, which is free. Um, uh, or you can uh, install an app, and it's available for everything, basically, for your phone, for your tablet, for your computer. Um, and once you do that and you connect your patron account to Discord, there is a special setting. In, so if you go into the settings of your patron account and you connect your patron account to Discord, um, Patreon will know, they will talk with Discord and you will get access to that specific channel. It, I mean, it sounds a bit complicated and for a long time I was like, oh, that's nothing for me, that's for gamers. It's, but it's really super simple and it, wow, it's an awesome, awesome, awesome environment for you know, these, these, these communities. And uh, it doesn't eat away, it doesn't give away your data, it doesn't eat your CPU time, it's really lightweight. But you can do so much, I, I mean, I can, play, I can play a video game or show you something on my computer inside Discord. Just stream it, and anyone who is part of the Discord community, uh, so the patrons, will be able to join in. You can have audio conversations of super high quality. Sounds like a ton better than Skype or anything else out there um, so you can have these one on one on one conversations or group conversations it's so powerful you can ask questions uh, you can make comments uh, think with me about stuff I think it's, it's going to be a great tool to grow the bond with the patron community so that's the first the first tier the lowest tier I want everyone to be able to afford that and to um, to join that community and it's automatic you get automatic access uh, once you connect your Patreon account to Discord. The second, I hope so, I mean, I've not tested this out, so this is the way it's supposed to work. 
We'll, we'll make it work. The second tier is five bucks a month. Still want to keep that as low as possible. And five bucks a month will give you access to, uh, to the documentaries, the monthly documentaries. And then, um, because also I want to, you know, make, and that, that's, uh, for me, it's, it is a way to involve people in f- feeling that they are enabling me to make this stuff. Um, and I want to, that to also be a, a communal experience. It's starting to rain. Wow, I'm getting wet. <clears throat> it's a good thing I'm almost home. The, the second, the third tier is going to be 10 bucks a month. Um, yeah, 10 bucks a month. And for that, uh, you will also uh, get like extra goodies, like a goodie bag. <laughs> um, and and that, w- that can be anything, but it's going to be a, a bit of a surprise. Uh, so that will be probably on a monthly basis or something like that. Still thinking about it, but there's, uh, for instance, a lot of material. Like every time I go and make a documentary, I make tons of photos. So you get a photo book or you'll get a, like an arc archived episode or I'm just thinking about you know fun stuff to give away and it will be a little surprise bag every every uh, every month um, then and then you have the like the the extra tiers or the uh, bonus tiers those are a little bit higher uh, uh, it's 25 and 50 and 100 and for those amounts that's of course the people that that are are able to donate that much money they're highly engaged in my mission so it's probably not something that you know it's not they're not just triggered by rewards but those those tiers i want to really give them credit in the document in the the monthly documentaries that i make um and so they will be in in the credit if you're a, a sponsor on those levels that particular month you will get credited in the credits of that video and they will be there for the duration of, uh, you know, its, its lifespan on, on YouTube. And then I will, of course, uh, also divide that into the various levels of participation. And I'll make sure that it's visible also that, you know, some people are uh, big investors and others are uh, contributors. So, but, um, but anyway, it, I, but because that's, really about about you know enabling me to do the the documentary work and to make high quality stuff uh, available and i'm so excited that i've uh, found someone who is going to help me translate uh the dutch documentaries into english um and i love it that i'll be able hopefully to hire people to help me do this so that it won't add to my uh workload but it will enable me to get out to make more and more content available for for a worldwide audience. So that's basically, and of course, every up, every higher tier will also have all the benefits of the lower tiers. Um, I'll write this all down on the Patreon page, um, and of course, I'll communicate with you via Patreon and also on Interreg. Ooh, it's starting to pour. <laughs> wow, I just made it back in time. I'll let you know also also in the podcast once everything is in place, probably at the beginning of the next year. Um, and, and I hope that many of you will, will join that community and especially the whole Discord server conversation. I'm looking forward to it, to, uh, to having this regular contact because I'm using Discord just like many others for, for, uh, for not just for, for my media work, 
but it's like it's just a great tool to follow all sorts of people so it's a place where i go every day so that's that's a a, a kind of uh, an amount of communication that i've never been able to provide you with in the past so those were my thoughts let me know what you think um i'm going to prepare myself dinner and uh coming up with some recipes for all that leftover stuff from the supermarket <clears throat> and then i'm probably gonna watch some star wars on disney plus and tomorrow is the last day before the day of the star wars premiere and if you want to know what happens there in Amsterdam during the red carpet premiere, make sure you are subscribed to my main YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash fatherroderick because there will be vlogs. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and we'll talk soon. Take care and God bless.